the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's time for Rescuers, the show about people who change and save lives. Now, here's your host, Art Brooks. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new edition of the uh, new episode of the Rescuers Radio Show. Heard every Thursday at 5.30 p.m. on Faith Talk 1360 or faithtalk1360.com. And please go to the rescuersradioshow.org website where you can hear all of the shows on podcast. And uh, this is a, a listener-supported show, so we would uh, like for you to, if you're interested in that, there's a button on the website that will walk you through that as well. Hey, I'm very excited about my guest today, and uh, his name is Bud Brown, president and co-founder of Turnaround Pastors Incorporated. Hi, Bud. Good morning, sir. It's good to be with you. I appreciate the invitation. So uh, you're in Tucson, correct? Uh, we are in Green Valley. Green Valley, all right. Yeah. Right, right, yep. Yeah. Um, Bud, before we uh, begin to dive into your great works, uh, allow our world, world, uh, worldwide audience to get to know you a little bit. Uh, please take a moment or two to tell us about your backstory. How did you get to this point in your life? Oh, wow. Well. <laughs> a little loaded, uh, uh, huh? Yeah, yeah. I could go in a lot of directions with that. I... Um, let me start with my uh, graduation from a well-known evangelical seminary. Um, I graduated with a master's degree of theology and entered into full-time pastoral ministry in 1986, full of hope and optimism and uh, big plans. Uh, I pastored two churches uh, here in the Southwest, one for five years and one for eight years. And when I was about halfway through uh, my my 13 years as a, as a pastor, I realized that uh, seminary at the master's level did not prepare me with everything that I needed to know. Uh-oh. <laughs> uh, the skills that were required to lead a church to significant qualitative and um uh, spiritual growth and numerical growth. So I enrolled in a uh, doctoral program. I got my uh, doctorate in 1995 in hopes that I would um, acquire the additional skills and information that I needed. But sad to say that um, I, I, at the end of 13 years of, of moderate uh, growth in these churches, uh, I came to the realization that seminary does not prepare pastors with what they need right. 
to lead churches into meaningful growth and new life. They teach part of what's necessary, but there's a whole lot that's left out. And uh, so at the end of my second pastorate, after eight years there, uh, God intervened and I received an invitation into a ministry with a group of pastors that do what is called intentional interim ministry. Mm. It's uh, intentional interim ministry. You uh, are trained to go into churches that are in trouble and serious decline, uh, perhaps even on the verge of closing. And you remediate uh, what's wrong in those churches. You supply what's missing and you get those churches ready for growth under their next permanent pastor. And it was during that 10-year period of time or so that I learned the skills that are necessary to grow churches in a healthy way. And towards the end of that 10-year period of intentional interim ministry, I met two two brothers in Christ who would later become uh, co-founders with me of Turnaround Pastors Incorporated. Uh, it was a it was a rather remarkable God thing. Uh, one of one of one of the one of the one of my colleagues had done his uh, doctoral work at Talbot Seminary and had done research into um, the characteristics or the traits that distinguish pastors that seem to be skilled in leading churches to growth uh, and, and what separates them from pastors that don't seem to have those abilities. So I suggested that we take his work and we reproduce it using a statistically valid uh, and reliable sociometric instrument so that we would have firm, valid, scientifically reliable data. So I, and I, I would I would assume that in, in your in your search for this and, and once it, it's taking place, uh-huh. uh the the pandemic probably didn't help out the situation at all right uh, well the research period of time we're back in uh, 2010 2012 2013 yeah okay so um but it was out of that research that we developed our training and our mentoring programs and uh ever since then we've been in the business of working with pastors of churches that are on plateau and uh, helping them learn the skills, what needs to be done, and teaching them how to do it to bring new life to these churches. Yeah. So that's that's kind of the backstory. That's so, kind of so my. You're, you're not running. Hmm? You're not running in trying to save the church. You're you're trying to save the pastors the, to to reorganize and 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 uh, go down a, a better route, right? Absolutely. Um, we and what we were hoping to do, Art, is to interrupt kind of the traditional model of uh, pastors in a in a, uh, a difficult church or a stagnant church tries everything that he knows to do uh, without results and ends up leaving either of his own accord or under duress. And then the church goes through that lengthy process of finding somebody else and starting all over. We wanted to train pastors that are in those churches how to do it without them being dislocated and without the church uh, having to go through the travail of looking for another pastor. So, yeah. mm-hmm, absolutely. So, so what's the ultimate goal of uh, bringing lifeless to new life is one of the, the quotes I have. 
biblical mm-hmm. prayers to resurrect uh, the lifeless church. Oh, well, that um, what we dis- the, the, what we discovered is that there are three essential components that are necessary to bring life and vital growth to a stagnant or declining church. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first is a skilled pastor, that is, a pastor who knows what to do and how to do it. The second is a church that is willing to change for the sake of the mission and for the sake of growth. And the third, of course, is the blessings of God, which we always depend upon. Amen. And the book, Lifeless uh, to New Life, is written to address that second problem. What does a pastor do when a congregation is unwilling to embrace change for the sake of Jesus's mission, even for the sake of keeping the doors open? So uh, it, it introduces the biblical prayers that the Apostle Paul uh, expressed in his letters that he prayed himself that were uh, actually kind of the foundational, um, uh, the basis on which Paul approached his ministry, continually praying that God would open doors, that he would give opportunities to speak, that he would give wise words, and that he would give boldness. And uh, what I have uh, learned in my own life and in the lives of pastors that I have trained uh, uh, to implement a program based on these prayers that I lay out in the book is that more often than not, when people pray and ask God to open doors and give them wise words, and to take away the fear of evangelism, God answers. And in the course of that, he changes those hard and unwilling hearts. Uh, He softens them so that the people are open to doing the things that need to be done to bring life Mm. to these churches that are on plateau or in decline. Sure. So, Mm -hmm. uh, So how do you identify churches in need of your services and the mentoring process and are also, uh, do you do uh, denominational or, or non? Well, um, the first part of the question, or the first question, uh, about 80% of the churches in America are on plateau or in decline. Wow. So That's finding those church, yeah, finding those churches is not difficult. Uh, and pastors themselves in these churches very oftentimes are bewildered and befuddled as to what to do. Mm. So, you know, finding people that, that need this kind of help uh, is not uh, terribly difficult. The hard part comes is be, uh, in that uh, pastors, like churches, are oftentimes unwilling to change. So the pastors have some internal work uh, to do between them and the Lord so that they come to a place where they're willing to receive help. Uh, And yeah, we work with churches uh, one-off, with pastors one-off. We also work with a number of denominations. uh, And uh, right now we're in the phase of actually training denominational executives. We've got three different denominations that we're working with so that they can take the work that we've done make it their own, and it becomes part of the the tools that these denominations have in-house 
to help their own churches so mm-hmm. that they don't have to go to outside parties like us. So anybody that's willing to uh, receive help, uh, we're more than happy and, and we covet the opportunity to work with them. Yeah. So mm-hmm. uh, so how do you go about unlocking your pastor's potential, uh, your treatment effects and, and their effectiveness? Right. Well, uh, it goes back to what I mentioned about our research that we conducted uh, and uh, recently reproduced with a much larger data set across the United States. We begin by helping a pastor understand how his or her, in the case of uh, female pastors, uh, learned experiences, the, the behaviors that they have acquired throughout the course of their lifetimes to navigate and kind of get through life unscathed, how their learned behaviors and the um, intrinsic wiring that God has built into their personality either help or hinder their leadership of a growing church. So we begin by first identifying what leadership behaviors they need to learn and acquire, what leadership behaviors they might need to dial back on just a little bit so that they don't get in their own way, and then help also help them to understand what are those intrinsic God-given needs that are, that are hardwired into them that uh, can be brought to bear on the issue of leading the church to grow. So mm-hmm. it begins with a basic assessment of who is the pastor, how does the pastor navigate personal uh, and uh, social relationships, and what are those deep-seated needs that oftentimes go unrecognized? How do we help those deep-seated needs come to the surface and become strengths rather than hindrances? So that's where we start. Well, and along that same line, uh, Uh what kind of, I'm sure there's a lot of potential problems and and also uh, mm-hmm. uh, different different characteristics that, that may right. be obstacles uh, to the work uh-huh. that you want to do right what what, what uh, give us some examples of what that might be look like sure well uh, I, I, I'll give you uh, two examples um, one is uh, a component of uh, leadership behavior that is uh, in the instrument, the measuring instrument we use, calls it insistence. It's a basic approach to how one um, allocates resources and manages a personal schedule. Uh, Pastors that are high on the assistance score uh, like to have everything planned out in detail. Uh, They, you know, their their schedules and their task lists are filled. And they, they like to work on one thing at a time before moving to something else. Pastors on the other end of that scale like to go with the flow. And if an interruption or an unexpected opportunity comes up, uh, if they deem it wise, they'll drop what they're doing. They'll abandon their schedule and go with the flow. They'll, They'll pursue after this new opportunity. Pastors that have that high insistence score that like everything planned out, tend to struggle in growing a church and leading a church into new life Mm. because your plan can never account for everything that's going to come in your direction. 
uh, as they say in military planning, uh, the plan is only as good until first contact with the enemy. And it's the same <laughs> way with our daily schedules. It's only good until we have first contact with the day. So yeah. uh, that's that's a typical example. And so we can train pastors how to be comfortable going with the flow and letting things go undone. Okay, um, I'm, I'm going to take just a moment uh, to... Yeah. I have a note for our audience. If, if you mm-hmm. are late coming into this episode of Rescuers Radio Show, my guest is Bud Brown, president and co-founder of Turnaround Pastors, Inc. Mm-hmm. And uh, so along that line, um, importance of tradition, fear of the unknown, lack of trust, uh, those, mm-hmm. those are a few barriers you may run into from time to time. Absolutely. Um, uh, you know, tradition is simply uh, a way of, it's a nice word for saying this is the way we've always done it. <laughs> uh, and and uh, tradition is great until uh, we enter into a new culture, which we have entered into since 2015 uh, with the Obergefell decision that the Supreme Court handed down. Uh, the church in America is no longer on friendly ground. Uh, for that matter, we're no longer on neutral ground. So uh, the methods of evangelism and uh, outreach that worked well back in the uh, 70s during the Jesus generation, uh, you know, the Jesus movement when yeah. they came to faith in Christ, mm-hmm. uh, even things that worked well um you know, the apologetic approaches that were popular at the turn of the century worked, you know, for the first 10, 15 years. Uh, and and now uh, the attractional model, which really took root um, when marketing, when marketing world discovered the church or vice versa. Um, tradition's great, but when the culture around us changes, uh, the traditional way of doing church of trying to reach the community, of trying to proclaim the gospel of Christ, no longer work. So tradition has to change. So tradition's great as long as it works, but as soon as it stops, uh, we need to let go of it. And people are always reluctant to let go uh, because of the fear of the unknown. That's one of the major obstacles mm-hmm. to churches getting off the plateau. We don't know what this new world, this new reality is going to look like. And so we're naturally afraid of it. And and pastors have to learn how to help people get through that process. It's actually a grieving process Mm -hmm. of letting go of something that we love and moving to a future that is unknown to us. That is grief. Mm -hmm. Uh, And pastors are not taught in seminary education uh, no matter what level, degree level it is, they're not taught how to lead people through that or how to lead a church, those those kinds of fears and those kind of doubts. Yeah, so there's a, you know, and there's a matter of trust. When, you know, when you're going in and, and meeting the, those potential issues and those issues right. that exist, um, mm-hmm. you have to gain a level, level of trust there. Absolutely, yeah. You have to, uh, you know, get your street cred. People have to know that you love them deeply that you do have their best interests at heart and that that um, you want what's best for them. Uh, uh, and, and where that where it becomes a problem uh, is that the pastor is actually responsible for two kinds of caregiving and two kinds of leadership. The pastor is responsible for 
uh, providing care for each individual member of the congregation. But the pastor also has a responsibility to the congregation itself. The pastor is responsible before Christ to ensure that it is a healthy church, it is a growing church, it's a maturing church, and it's a church that is effectively on mission for Jesus in that community. And um, where you get into a problem is sometimes the needs of the one, people that you love, people that trust you, people you care about, interfere with the overall well-being of the church And then the pastor has to make a very difficult decision uh, that may involve making a painful choice that is going to be hurtful to the one, but it has to be done for the benefit of the many. So trust is an important part of it. Loving people is an important part of it. Hmm. But another crucial part is the tough love piece. And sometimes to love people, you have to inflict... um, discipline on them. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, uh, we, we touched on this just a little bit, your book, uh-huh. uh, yeah. lifeless, uh, to new life. Uh, tell us about the book. Well, the, the book grew out of, um, my own personal experiences. Um, I, as a pastor, you know, always, Uh, for, you know, 13, 14 years, lived a fairly siloed life. My life revolved around the church, the activities of the church, the members of the church, and I didn't have or I didn't take the time to develop relationships with unbelievers, people in the community that I could engage in spiritual conversation and talk to them about Christ. So um, in the course of my studies, I began coming, began noticing for the first time all of the prayers of the Apostle Paul that were related to his apostolic ministry, where he would either voice his prayers or he would ask for prayer on his own behalf. So I just started praying these prayers for myself. I started <laughs> praying for open doors. I started praying for opportunities. I started praying for wise words. I started praying that God would use me to reach people. And wouldn't you know what, Art, God answered those (laughs) prayers in the most astounding ways. Uh, I can't uh, just, you know, I could spend hours uh, filling up your radio time, and I'm sure we don't want to do that. Yeah, we're we're getting close in the last few minutes. Right, right. Yeah. But, but I, so I thought, well, if this worked for me, this can work for other people as well. And I began training some pastors that I was mentoring and coaching how to lead their congregations through these prayers. And wouldn't you know it, they began to experience new people coming into their (laughs) church and they started to see conversion growth. So I thought, you know what, I got to write this up because this addresses the second requirement of a church that's going to grow. And that is a willing congregation. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so many of the ones that are that are leaking, uh, leaking a lot of, of uh, you know, some are some are losing kids, families, mm-hmm. whatever. Uh, so you, you probably have seen it all. Um, mm-hmm. You you have uh, we're in the last couple of minutes here, but 
Okay. Uh, you you have a uh, you train mentors. You have mentors that uh, go in and uh, and uh, take care of your program as well. Yeah, we uh, have uh, a mentoring program, and uh, we we've got a total of seven as seven of us on the team. The four guys that are uh, weren't co-founders, we're training them how to mentor pastors in these skills, come alongside the pastors on a one-on-one basis, and help them learn what they need to know to grow the church and how to do those things, which is really what's unique about us. We don't just tell them what to do, but we help them in learning how to do it in ways that fit them as individual pastors rather than expecting them to become something they're not. So that's a major piece of what we do. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So um, if, if our, we have listeners probably that would like to contact you, how do they do that? A uh, couple of ways. One is they can go to our website, turnaroundpastor.com, and they can find a contact page there. Or if they'd like to contact me directly, they can email me, bud, B-U-D, at turnaroundpastor.com. By the way, there's no S on turnaroundpastors. It's just turnaroundpastor.com. And uh, I'd love to correspond with them and see if I can be of use to them or help to them in some way. Awesome. And and also, uh, they should be looking for your book somewhere, right? Right? Yep, absolutely. (laughs) Lifeless to New Life is on Amazon. You can get it in Hard copy or Kindle, either one. Bud Brown, you are a rescuer, and thank you so much. God bless you for being on the Rescuers Radio Show today. Art, thank you so much for the invitation. It's been a, it's been a delight. Take care, my friend. Bye-bye now. God bless. Rescuers, Thursdays at 5.30 Arizona time on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ AM. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 